thing to take a letter that was meant to be uh, written as a whole to all of God's people in Philippi. And you can imagine, I don't think this is a, a ginormous church by any stretch of the, of the imagination. I mean, we were left to imagine. But, but here the, the folks have all gathered around a letter. Their messenger has come back from, from being with Paul and he's got a letter that he has written to the, to the church in Philippi, to his friends. It's addressed from Paul and Timothy. It's uh, addressed from two of the number of disciples that were there to bring the gospel to Philippi. And as we, as, as we, uh, as we shared early on in the introduction to our series, they were quite likely there because... Well, and we know that they were there because of the intervention of the Holy Spirit of God wanting to bring the good news to that city. But we also know that they were praying, that they were people there who were praying to God. And Lydia, one of the first ones to come to the Lord, the merchant to find purple linen, the fabrics of a kind, uh, a woman of some means, heard the gospel for the first time through Paul and she gave her life to the Lord and she's just one of those numbers of people that have been touched by the ministry of the Holy Spirit by the word of God and by in this salvation and when she came to the Lord she brought her whole household with her I love that I wonder if that's how my kids felt when they you know tried to usher them along in the things of the faith the reading here from Philippians in chapter 2. Let me start here. So if our shared life in the King brings you any comfort, if your love still has the power to make you cheerful, if your hearts are at all moved with affection and sympathy, then make my joy complete. Bring your thinking into line with one another. Here's how to do it. Hold on to the same love. Bring your innermost lives into harmony. Fix your minds on the same object. Never act out of selfish ambition or vanity. Instead, regard everybody else as your superior. Look after each other's best interests, not your own. Hold on to the same love. Bring your minds and your hearts into alignment with one another. Just imagine those words being spoken to us as a group right now. Fix your minds on the same object, vineyard, Kamloops. Church family, take guard to discern the inward motivations of your heart. Isn't this essentially what he's saying? I'm not sure how you've interpreted this morning's scripture. If you're anything like me, maybe your first time through having read this, you're tempted to read this morning's scripture like a, a list of do's and don'ts. But we want to resist doing that, don't we? The church in Philippi has been 
Messianic believers, but many more of them were just sympathetic Gentiles who were being both gently convinced and others were being swept in by a miraculous intervention of God's Holy Spirit. Some of them saved dramatically into the faith in Christ and to the world's Savior and King. If you were in Christ and you belong in community with all of Jesus' followers, if you were in Christ, then you were being saved into a community that functionally ran different than anything you had experienced before. If you were in Christ, then the lives that formerly divided you from others were being radically flatlined and reframed and, and restructured. In Christ, those cultural lines of distinction between Jew and Greek, male and female, free and slave, all of those things were being erased. And while these presented, as I, I, would, I would agree to many of the people who were coming into the faith, while these presented as both the delight, you've got to know that some of this comes with some tension, too. Even for those members of God's family. And as terrifying, as different, and delightful as that word to the church, it was a challenging signal to the immediate community of Philippi itself. See, that church was like anything that the Philippians had ever seen before. And anything new presented as a possible threat, a hostile threat maybe, to any peace and promise for security and, and, and prosperity that Rome itself was offering them. Under the authority of Rome, the, the church was finding themselves, and they were finding themselves in Philippi, more and more suffering under local persecution from people opposed to this new community, this new way of thinking and living, this new way that was that was so different than anything they'd seen. It was countercultural, this message of Jesus. And as the world's only true king and real reigning savior. See that flew right in the face in the claims of Caesar himself. At the heart of our letter, Paul is intent on reminding an entire community of believers and reminding all of us that we're part of something much grander, a bigger story that is at work through us and even in the neighborhoods that you and I live in.
different country in your life. But there are radical variations in worship style. There, there are personality cults that have sprung up in the church. There are, there are conflicting and contrasting leadership deliveries and styles. There are divides and arguments over moral behavior. There is fragmented cultural and political landscapes. And on and on and on it goes. My grandfather's history from the country meet in Dublin, Ireland, was thick with religiosity and with politically sordid and a violent mess that went on between the Protestants and the Catholics of that country that was literally generations deep. As a child, I used to sit at my grandfather's knee and listen to his stories about crossing the Catholic schoolyard near his home. He had to pass by every morning on his way to the Lucan Railway, which would take him well over 20 miles away every day. And that's what he had to do, a trip there and a trip back every day to do his schooling. Three years ago, Debbie and I visited not what it looked like three years ago, I'm going to say that. But three years ago, Debbie and I visited that same real line that would have carried him away to school and returned him home. And we also visited some of the grand chapels that the faithful of the church gathered in. And we listened to tale after tale of wars and of civil and political strife that divided the church in dangerous opposition to one another. The pain of which still grows today. It's tangible. David, the given world and church history, it can be hard to imagine living the way that Paul is pointing to words. What is he saying? How about thinking the same? How about loving each other completely? How about regarding everyone else and their point of view as somehow better than you and your own opinions? See, it's a difference that can only lead us to one conclusion. The only possible answer is that all of us needs to have our attention focused on something greater and other than ourselves. And according to Paul's letter, no less than nine times I queued it up through that short letter, he said that that something is the good news. That good news is all about someone. And that someone is Jesus Christ himself. The world's only rightful king, Lord and Savior, he's come into this world. And this world, thank God, will never be the same. The nation's only hope has come in his kingdom and his salvation. It's here now. That's what Jesus 
Fellowship of the saints and all of 
to sustain these souls of ours. And sometimes we really need that. And sometimes we really need to give that to someone else. Every one of us here has this God-made place in us. We're like this God-made carrier for His Holy Spirit to come and rest in and to express Himself through. You are far more than flesh and blood. Every one of you, all of you, your spirit carriers. And that spirit is continually at work in you, confirming your place in the body of believers and helping you to recognize that same spirit that is at work in others. It's not just you, but it's in others. And as broken and as wayward as we come into this new life, God is at work renewing our hearts. And He's waking up our natural and our supernatural human emotions and filling our hearts with affection and sympathy towards one another, towards people other than ourselves. And I add, and especially for those, especially for those in the body of Christ. But Paul would say, if it's in you, the capacity for good is in you. Then do, do good. Begin in the church. Start there. Now, two things can happen as I share this. Some of you can be assuming that this stuff is a given. That if I'm a real follower of Christ, then this stuff is purely and naturally acquired. I wish this were the situation. But as Paul has shared, and as I've learned through life, this stuff of real love and affection requires some attention on my part, doesn't it? I am imperfect. But I'm being made new. And while I am being perfected into his image, so people kind of mix this up once in a while, I thought that was Jesus, but that's just David. Maybe cuts his hair quite differently. <laughs> but that's, that's what it means, right? Be made in his image. It's like there's this sort of mistaken resemblance that happens. While I'm being perfected, I absolutely need to continue work with his Holy Spirit in me. All the time, I'm being reminded of my need to partner with him and to dig away at the roots of any poor or ill behavior I can exhibit from time to time. But when those come up, I'm asking myself the question, where is that coming from? Because it sure ain't Jesus. After years of practicing, I'm learning if that peaceful, loving feeling is waning. You lost that love and feeling, right? Oh, dear. 
it's a love that the gospel, the news about Jesus, generates and sustains. It's a message of love. The word is called good news, right? I like good news. You like good news? Jesus is good news. Our inner lives are supposed to be bonded together. And that absolutely reflects Jesus to the world around us. This life of the bigger fellowship is powerful, but it's it's also vulnerably dependent and bonded together in our collective hope in Christ and in Him alone. That's what makes us who we are. Jesus' love is what keeps us in perfect harmony with one another. He is the same object that Paul is instructing us to keep our eyes focused on. And so this passage concludes that if we want to communicate the good news of Jesus to the world, then we need to embrace a confessed dependence in the gift of God's Savior and in His Holy Spirit. And then we need to live it out. Jesus is inviting all of us to embrace our new roles in His story by truly seeing one another as Christ sees us. I need Debbie to see me as Christ sees me. She does, she kind of just falls in love with me all over again. Isn't that true, man? Oh, yeah. That's true. But we need to see one another. You know, we, in, you know, in our circles, when we pray for people, we talk about seeing the treasure in people and then calling them. It is Christ 